Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is Jeanette Wade. Jeanette is an expert EOS, entrepreneurial operating system implementer, business coach, speaker, international best-selling author, and so much more. Hello, Jeanette. Hi, Mish. How are you today? I am great, and I want to talk about you, your book. I mean, let's just start there because you are a, a Forbes. Say that again. What were you? A featured Forbes books author. Ooh, Very fancy, right? That's way <laughs> fancy. That No, that's awesome. We should talk about it. So talk about your awesome book. Yeah, so this was kind of a lifelong journey to talk to really understand and crack the code on people. Mm-hmm. And so when I was asked to speak, this is probably this is all pre-pandemic. I was asked to speak at an event on. I understand, Jeanette, that you understand how to build high impact, high return teams. Could you do a talk on that? And so I ended up digging through some notes that I had from my early career and some discoveries and some research I had done and just things I had been observing in the almost at that time 500 full day sessions I'd done with leadership teams. So kind of observing through research on my own. Right. Now I'm almost at 750 full days, right? So it's still more research coming in, but was realizing that I was seeing the same things over and over on what would activate human potential, what would get high return on individual, what would activate teams. And I got to thinking about Maslow. And so Maslow's hierarchy of needs was really an individual game. And I was like, how would that play out on teams? Let's flip Maslow on his head. And let's say if if teams were to actualize together, what would that look like? And we discovered, um, and I partnered with Dr. Patricia Bagsby at SLU, and so have some psychology backing behind this as well, and saying these six needs must be met for individuals, teams, or any group of relationships that come together, even marketing. Like when we're talking to our, our target market customers, those are individuals that we're trying to team up with our brand. What would that look like? And we came up with the six facets of human Ooh, needs. Can we talk? I want to know them. <laughs> I want to, they're affectionately <laughs> called the six C's. Okay. Um, in shorthand, but six facets of human needs. And what's fascinating about human beings is that if these six needs are holistically met, we can activate that human potential. Right? Yeah. And so the six are, so I'll just list them at a high level. They're clarity, connection, contribution, challenge, consideration, and confidence. I love it. And I got to tell you right now, I love the word challenge. In fact, when people are saying anything to me around struggle, what struggles, I'm like, I don't like struggles. I want to call it challenges. Mm -hmm. Struggle seems like something that you like it's going to be really hard to overcome. Not that challenges aren't, but challenges feels more like this is a challenge and I'm up to that challenge. Yes. Struggle feels like I'm not up to this. No, no. It's like it's it, you're already up against it, right? You're up yeah. against the mountain right. versus what can I do to overcome it? Right. This challenge could make me better. And how would we do that? So it was fascinating going through those because I'll, you know, much of what you'll learn from coaches like, you know, Brené Brown's work and Justine here locally or, you know, people who deal in rewards and incentives for confidence. And so there's a lot of things that touch on bits and pieces, but nothing holistically saying, what if we were able to get people out of their nature? So the title of my book is The Human Team. So you created a team, but people showed up. Yeah, right. right. And so yeah. what do we do when these people show up? It's right. nature, right? And most managers and leaders and facilitators and coaches and marketers are frustrated by human behavior. I mean, in, in their day-to-day, I mean, people show up sideways. 
They show up angry. They show up complacent. They're, you know, so many gossipy. There's all these different <laughs> right. drama things that are happening with human beings. And we keep thinking there's some magic wand to it. What we end up doing is swinging to nurturing programs. So we'll do the pizza parties. We'll do the loyalty programs. We'll do things that we think are nurturing, but they're stuck in nature. They're stuck in the reactions and their amygdala is being triggered and they're they're not participating in a way we would like. And part of this research was in the discovery was that we needed to bridge the gap from nature to nurture. Gotcha. In, in order to really capitalize, because I don't know if you've ever done nurture programs like, you know, the events and the pizza parties and the spike moments and loyalty or whatever you're doing to get activity, and they don't last long. So you spend a lot of money for a high, and then the holiday party's over and it starts, and like, we kind of go back goes. to our day. Yeah. And I and I think that, to me, I look at, I'm lucky to have an awesome team. Um, even if one of us does show up kind of, like, we're good at letting each other know what's going on. You know, like, guys, I'm kind of in this, like, weird transition right now. I'm a little wonky. So, you know, I'm a little scattered right now. You know, so we we are good at letting each other know Mm -hmm. where we're at at any given time. But um, I think that it's not a Here's, you know, because I do. It's like, hey, thanks for doing, thanks for the extra Mm -hmm. effort. Like, I want to give you something for the extra effort. But I think it's more of the everyday, how are we showing up? Do we honor the people that we're working with? Do we give them space when they need it? You know what I mean? I think it's, because we're humans. That is the thing. Absolutely. I used to think it was really bizarre, my short little stint in the corporate world, um, when it was like, oh, look. Business is business and personal is personal. I'm like, yeah, that just isn't really how it works. No, no, it's all very personal. It's very personal. Very personal and very, you know, so competitive. And we also, um, human beings need that consistency. So spiking, nurturing programs are not consistent, right? They Mm -hmm. feel like moments and times or things done to us. Right. Like we're going to give you this great offsite seminar, and then you're like, I learned so much, but you don't know what to do with it. Right. You don't know how to gotcha. apply it. So we wanted to bridge the gap from nature to nurture by getting these needs met, these fundamental six needs that individuals and teams in particular need to have. And none of it's shocking. And um, But the holistic approach to it is transformative. And it provides a framework. The framework is the key. Yeah. The framework is the key because leaders and managers and facilitators of people are grappling for what do I do? Right. I I don't understand why they're showing up this way. They're complacent. They're sideways. They're dramatic. They're ineffective. They're not accountable. Whatever issues they're having, right? The, the, The struggles. Right. And they don't understand that why just because they gave them pizza one day, they're not changed. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it like, only goes so far. Yeah, it only goes so far. <laughs> and so just part of a passion project. So being an EOS implementer, I have a unique view into teams and seeing leadership teams at the right. helm of these small, privately held businesses, really ca- trying to transform their organization. And EOS is about harnessing human energy. And I was like, so we're, so we're harnessing and we're focusing and prioritizing human energy, but we're not necessarily always in a healthy way understanding what is deeper behind that how do we really activate that potential at a new level so that the team actualizes together and it becomes really self-managing self-fulfilling and that we really tap into humanity it's funny when i was writing the book pre-pandemic humanity wasn't a topic right we're much more humane now in our conversations we're much more about people and relationship than we were pre-pandemic and so it's a good time for this But the thing that I think we forget 
So over 100 years ago, we were primarily an industrial society. Mm-hmm. We moved into a service-based economy. And I think we're moving into a human-based economy, like oh, a human-powered, a human-driven economy. This is like music to my ears, Jeanette. And I agree. Um, and I think that I, I, I feel like COVID, as horrible as it was, it also the gift in it was we all sat back and went, what are we doing? Yeah. Wait, wait this isn't good, you know? Yeah. And um, I felt like like overnight it just melted, like the people that would be like, I work like 80 hours a week. I'm like, yeah, now we look at that and go, ooh, off balance. Yes. That's not, <laughs> that's not, that's not something you should be, you know, like bragging about. That's like, you need to go work on this because you shouldn't be working 80 hours a week. Exactly. exactly. Oh, wow. I love this. So let's go through the six points, kind of give okay. us a, you know, the the bigger the view, but clarity. Yeah. So clarity is really being able to get out of the assumptions that human beings will make. So a lot of times we're very unclear. We, we hear it in our head when we say it's much like when I, if I hum a tune right now, mm-hmm. you probably couldn't guess the tune, but I can hear it clearly in my head. Right. And so I'm not giving you enough detail to paint the picture with me. So what you're going to do, if I said, let's map out a strategy, you're going to translate strategy and make assumptions on what strategy means to you versus exactly. clarity on what it really means, what your role is in it, when's it needed by, who's going to participate, what is, what's the outcome we're really looking for. So we don't set enough context and clarity. So people are living in confusion oh, nice. and ambiguity right. yeah. and they need the clarity to move forward. And yet we get frustrated when they're not clearly following through. Well, I right. said it, right? right? You need to repeat it it's often. The expectations, here's what this mm-hmm. is going to look like. Yeah, because they're confused. Right. And they're not going to share they're confused because admitting we're confused. For, first of all, we don't know we're confused. Our assumptions in our brain are automatically retranslates it into a way where we're not confused. Right. We think we know the answer. Yeah, gotcha. Um, we're correct, but we're confused. And so we need to get rid of that. We need the clarity in order to be part of a team, part of a society, part of a community, part of in order to move things forward. So that's really the first step is we must be really clear. Gotcha. I'll often tell my teams, you must say it seven times, seven ways. That makes so sense. So in EOS, we'll say, repeat yourself often seven times to be heard for the first time. Right. And it's just getting over the frustration. I'm like, why do I have to keep telling them? <laughs> right. right. Well, but, it's like commercials. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's a repetition. Yeah. It's like you can't, you can't have to keep hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But seven ways is your role, the due date, the process to take. Like it's the video you watch, the training you get. It's like I get yeah, clarity yeah. through multiple ways multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And so that's really the key to clarity. Um, if we don't have clarity, we end up having a lot of conversation failures, a lot of task failures, a lot of project failures. On average, that cost us $5,700 per failure. Ouchie. Yeah. And so it's costly, which is motivating for leaders to right. get this right. right. But it's also costly for us as those that are not clear. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I did. Um, people would say, I need this done in a project, and they weren't clear. Right. And you thought you had it right and you delivered an outcome. I delivered a marketing piece or a piece of content that I thought was so clear based on the direction I was given. Right. And it was wrong. Right. right? Yeah. No, that's it's really frustrating. frustrating. And yeah. it, it wastes time. It wastes money. It, it's just it, you just want to do good work. Exactly. And without the clarity, you can't. I like it. Clarity yeah. is Clar- good. Clarity is good. Be clear. <laughs> Connection is one of my favorites. So clarity is an obvious one. Connection can be, but we tend not to ensure that people belong. And so human beings innately have a need to be part of, right? Right. Not to be what in psychological terms they would call othered. Right. And so when we other others, 
we're, we're separating ourselves from them and they're not really part of the team. And I know I've had the experience of being in a team and not feeling part of that team. Like, I don't right. know that, why am I here? And why am I in this meeting? And do I really fit in? And is this really my, my group, my tribe, my, my, my system to be part of? And when I'm not feeling connected to the team where I don't belong, I end up disconnecting. My energy goes down. My, my will to be part of isn't there. And so a team needs to figure out ways to bond and connect. And some of the less obvious ways of connection, I mean, we can connect on core values, right? We mm-hmm. can connect on common mission. We can connect in different ways. But we tend to connect by geography, yep. by physical sense. And I remember in the early days of Zoom, I had a team was feeling really disconnected because they weren't with each other, right? There was this moment of like, who are we? We're not together, but we're in this Zoom world together. Right. And we did an experiment and exercise where I said, just change your backgrounds to the same background. Like oh, if we, we share team colors and one of my teams took it to another degree and they said, we're going to take pictures of our actual offices and send them to each other. And the CEO was on the call with us this after they had done that. And he said, are you all here in the office with me right now? He, he goes, I get this really sense that we're together right now. And so we can trick our brain into seeing it, but we, we relate to space. We relate to where we are in the world, where we come together. I had a veterinary clinic um, that was struggling with keeping um, veterinary um, staff, so the doctors, in rural areas. Right. So they'd come from the city and they're like, but they're, they don't have a connection to that space, that society, that that particular community. And I said, what have you done to connect with them besides at work just to say hi, right? Just welcome to the office. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, are they part of a book club, a bowling league? Do they Have they joined a church? Are they feeling connected to the community? Because I bet the reason they're leaving is they don't feel connected to the people around them, not just at the office. Right. But in general, they're not connected. So they don't belong and they're unplugging from that energy grid and they're not providing the energy that they could and they're not staying for long because they're going to go plug in somewhere else where they get that. That's crazy important. And I think, you know, sometimes I find myself too asking if there's a person that's become a part of the group and it's like feeling like they're not fitting in for whatever reason. I've often asked, well, they were attracted to us and we were, you know, we were attracted to them. So what, like, what is the reason? Like, and, and it, it amazes me how sometimes it's just talking to that person a little bit more and understanding them a little bit more, and then you're like, oh, I see this connection now, and then helping others around you see that connection. But yeah, connecting is, and and you said about Zoom, but I have to say, for whatever weird reason, my group who has, have been not in the same place for the longest time pre-COVID. We weren't even in the mm-hmm. same place. We figured out how to be connected. I don't know why. Part of it is, I will, I will say this, we did um, start on Mondays. Like we just hop on a call to like, just catch up. How was your weekend? What are you doing? Like yeah. the human part. Yes. Right. Like we're not going to talk about business right now. Just how are you doing? What's up? What's going on? Yeah. Five minute moments. Yeah. Is it's sometimes all it takes. Huge. Or just... The getting to know someone, you get to like them a little more. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm also an older child, or I'm also from a small town, or I'm all, oh, we're alike. And when we're alike, we tend to feel that connection and that bond, and therefore we're going to work well together, right? Love it. And so we need that connection. So the need of clarity, the need of connection are the first fundamentals. Then it gets a little more challenging. Okay, here we go. So the need to contribute. So we all have a need to contribute. So I don't know one employee that's been hired that wished the day before they started their first day, I hope that I can't contribute to this team. Exactly. But yet 
at some point in their journey, sometimes 60 days in, sometimes six months in, sometimes six years in, they're, they're finding that they're not contributing in the way they thought they would or what they hoped to get from the job. And we're always baffled by why they're not giving their full best. When we hired you, it looked like you could do it, but you're not doing it. Yeah. Right? And so we have this need to contribute. We have this need to want to be a, a highest best use contributing partner to something. Okay. We want to be seen as valuable. That's right? a, the need to be I valued. Like this. this is something I feel like I need to. Yeah, I like this is a really good point because you talked about in the beginning about what they're hearing may not be what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and what they're saying, I may not be hearing. And so we get to yeah. the contribution part and we're like, well, how did you think this was going to look? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, and, and the interesting thing about contribution is that the size of the team matters for my ability to contribute. Mm -hmm. And so many times we wonder why people aren't commit, co contributing and they're in a large committee of 20. Yeah. But it's hard. You will always get a percentage of, it's called a Ringelman effect. Mm -hmm. And you'll always get a percentage. And he did a rope pull exercise, basically. And he, as he added more and more people to the rope. So the first person pulls 100%, right? Right. Because they have to. They're the only one on the rope. Right. The second, you know, they, they might be 80 and, and 70, right? They're, they're not pulling at 100%, but they're pulling enough to win. Right. The, by the time you get to 10 to 15 people on the rope, there's one or two people who aren't even pulling at all. They're just ah. there for the photo shoot. Yeah. Right. right. They're just kind of, and, yeah. and so they wallflower. They don't see, it's an empathetic break. So when we hit 10 to 15, which is the Dunbar number of group size, we tend to get a lack of empathy or care in the group. It's not that we don't generally care. It's just that I don't know what I'm contributing, what my value would be. I'm not sure how to contribute because if I'm in a group of three to seven, I'm at, I'm at collaborative trust. Okay. Meaning I can, I can really engage. I can't hide. Right? right. If I have three to seven people in the room, it's much harder just to go, I'll just observe today. Right. I won't participate. And so we, we don't want empathy to evaporate for your contribution, but leaders and managers and even marketers. So marketing, the brands that get contribution from their target audience or their, you know, their tribe, their community in the creation of the product tend to have higher engagement and loyalty. Because the the customer's contributing. Exactly. Or they feel like they're part of. I'm I'm a target shopper, right? Right. They'll wear the logo and they'll right. wear the brand because they're they're contributing to that brand. They're they're part of the connection, right? They're connected right. to it. And they're really clear on what it means, like I'm a target person versus a Walmart person versus a dollar it. general person, right? So our our need to contribute to really be seen and valued and to give our best. Um, the bigger the group or the more complex it is, the less we're able to do that. Gotcha. All right. And then the fourth one is challenge. This is the one I got the most challenge on. Because <laughs> people are like. Go figure. Well, yeah. And so people are like, you want me to challenge my people? They're already burned out. They're already burdened. They're, they're already busy. Right. All the B words, right? They had all the B words as excuses. I don't want to challenge them any more than I have to, Jeanette. And I was like, yeah, but. I know people who leave jobs because they were going to take on a new challenge. Well, they get bored. They get bored. I get bored. Yeah. And, you know, and it's so my we're doing this right now, uh, my my team, because I was like, God, guys, I'm kind of getting a little bored. We got to take on. A new, so we are. We're taking on this new challenge. And I think it's really important because. If you just keep doing the same thing day in and day out, after a while, you're like, okay, I've conquered this. Yeah. I get it. I know what I'm supposed to. I can do it in my sleep at this point, you know. 
what else? Yeah. And I think, and I love challenges and I, I talk a lot about comfort zones, mm-hmm. like get out of your comfort zone. Cause that's where all the cool stuff happens. Yeah. And that's the challenge, right? So I've, I've learned to recognize when I'm outside of my comfort zone, like, cause sometimes I do, I'm just there all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. This is a challenge. I'm going to take this on and see where it leads me. I'm sure it's, it's exciting. Oh, yeah. No, in, in your high growth mindset, too. So every path to mastery or incremental change is going to be fulfilling. And for some people, complacency and change is difficult. Sure. And it's because our our brains are wired to resist. So if I tell you to do something and I push you into it, you're going to naturally say no subconsciously or verbally, depending right. on your personality type. But if I'm challenging in ways that help you get better at what you do, that give you just that little bit of stretch versus because what we end up doing with challenges is we make them too big. Yeah. We make got, them yeah. too far stretching, too much change at once, too big to digest. Yeah. And people are like, that's just too hard. Or you, the, every time I accomplish more, you want me to do more. They have all these things that happen to them right. versus the, I see you and I know you can be better at this and coaching people into challenge it's and really baby pushing. steps, right? Mm-hmm. Because in fact, like I, I'm super impatient. So I tend to want to go from here all the way to there, like overnight. And I've learned over the years that that's highly disruptive, not only to my own life, but the people around me. So the way you do this is a little bit of the time. And you, and like right now I'm practicing, I'm practicing this new thing that I want to do on like some of my most precious, very close people because I can, I can do this with them that it will, it doesn't feel scary and they will give me that leeway to be wonky with it and mm. not great at it. Um, cause I'm working on the confidence of it, Yeah, you know, and, and even though I want to just do this all right now, it's like, no, that wouldn't work that yeah. you're setting yourself up for failure little by little, take on the baby steps little by little new, little bit new each day. Get rid of the little bit old, a little bit new, and then you won't Absolutely. give everybody a headache. No, yeah, no, because <laughs> incremental change is, it's the whole, you know, boiling a frog. You just slowly up the water and mm-hmm. then, you know, hopefully people don't die, but they rise to the occasion. Um, yeah, my, let's not really boil frogs. No, let's not that really boil frogs. Bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm more an environmentalist than that. But um, I love the concept. It's a Japanese term called shihari. And so I think challenge can happen within this framework of shahari. Shu, ha, and ri are three stages of mastery. And so shu is when you're learning your fundamentals. So that's the basic training for the job, right? That's just how do you do the dance? One, two, three, one, two, three. And you might be saying it in your head as you're doing it. And then when you get to ha of shahari, you're adding yourself to the equation. So you're humanizing the exceptional right? You're able to do the fundamental, but you're able to do the twists and turns and little moves that you do that are unique to you. And I think that is really special. My husband just called um, Mercy to schedule his annual doctor's appointment. And the person was going through the fundamental procedure of, you know, the intake, what's your date of birth, what's your name, who's your doctor, and asking the basics. And then she moved into Ha of Shuhari and added herself to it and, and added some joy to this person's life. She's like, my mission is even though I'm doing intakes, I'm doing a a a, a spread of joy and I'm, I'm lifting people's soul in this call. Aww. Like she was adding herself to nice. a simple process that only takes yeah. five minutes, right? The re of Shahari. So I think where we want to be challenged and we all wish, could I be masterful at what I do? And the re of it is the, tr- the, the, um, 
the transformation, the rising above, the being able Shahari. to look at it. I like and, that. And so I look at sh- the re of Shahari as if you're familiar with the movie The Matrix and you see the ones and zeros and you're in the flow. Right, right, right. Like, this is just natural to you. Probably social media and things like that are kind of you're like, I'm in my flow. I'm in my natural space. Right. And people think like it's magic what you do. And it's it's not. You went through. You we went through. Do shoe. make it look like magic. Well, yeah. People do think it's magic. I'm like, it's not magic. It's no, not magic. But There's a lot of work here. You know yeah. the fundamentals masterfully. You've added your your spin to it, right? Hot, and you've you've transcended to a new level of doing it that we can't understand because we're still in shoe. I like it. <laughs> right. I like and it. So that's awesome. That's where people want to be challenged. They want to get better at what they do. They want to they want to have that happen. So that's a coaching mindset for most leaders and managers that you just right. have to be curious, have a beginner's mindset know that most people are at shoe. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you're right. trying to get them to read yeah. because they're going to transform the way you do business. The next one is consideration. Most people do consideration through loyalty, incentive programs, rewarding, those types of things. And I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't do it, but many times we think throwing money at it will be the solve and it's right. not. Yeah, yeah, right. What's happened with consideration is really it's looking at a whole human being that's shown up, that you don't look at all employees as the same. You're not going to do the same program for everyone. I see you as totally unique mm-hmm. as a direct report of mine. And if I've managed my my direct reporting size right, I only have about three to seven direct reports. So I should be able to go deep on this and have a real consideration consideration for who you are, create real psychological safety for you that I know that work-life balance is, a, is mystifying because you're taking your phone with you everywhere you go, right? You're always in access to work. Right. I need to find a way to integrate and, and, and create a space for you in that. And so everybody likes to be rewarded or recognized or just held in regard in different ways. So it's respect and regard um, for the little things that the the person's going through, right? So very true. And so I might like to be rewarded and recognized through gifts. And it's the love languages. If you've ever heard five love languages, there's a companion book called The Five um, Languages of Appreciation at Work. He rewrote the book for work because... The, one of the love languages is touch, and you know, touch at work yeah, is not good. Not right. Exactly. No touching. <laughs> no touching. Yeah. But those who need touch as a as a language of appreciation, you're giving them physical activities like you've earned the bowling event, right? If right. You're into bowling, or you're you're fist pumping or high fiving more. So you're giving them. I have one team that's really high touch from a rewarding standpoint. Right. At work, they create it high five Fridays. Oh. And so they they get together and they stand in a circle and they high five. Right. And and they get they get their touch need met, plus they're celebrating the challenges nice. that they met and, and what that meant to them. And so they're getting considered. And so they're getting their their cup full. Yeah. And so that's really consider what in regard that each individual needs. Um, I did a small thing for, uh, you know, a direct report in the 90s. I was staying at a double tree um, at a conference for three days. Did you get a chocolate chip cookie? I did. And, and I knew she loved the chocolate chip cookie. I negotiated with the manager to give me six cookies to bring Ooh. back home. And I left them on the table. And small little things like that, people are like, oh, you were so thoughtful, right? You you remembered I liked the double tree cookie? Like those little moments. Yeah. Um, even just a short text every day with a great quote saying, you know, I know that, you, you know, you're going through this in your life and I'm just wanting to uplift your spirits or whatever it is, something small. Those little moments, we don't have to have hours and days and events to consider people. We can literally just have small moments, human moments, I was calling them. I was like, if we could just have human moments, we are holding people in consideration. I, so I, this is so important. And I mean, and it's a, a lot of what I talk about is kindness. And that really is kindness. Kindness is 
you know, the people around me and what's important to them and what, and I think that, um, I have a thing about what I, I describe it as don't leave any loose ends, mm. you know, and I really do work on it. I know I do leave loose ends. I'm sorry if I loose ended you, please give me a call and we'll, we'll, I will, I will take care of that. But, um, cause I get a lot, I get so mm-hmm. much, you know, people every day just like coming through many different channels, you know, but I really do work at, and I have a notebook that's just, you know, on my to-do list, which gets crazy. But the thing is, is sometimes it's just like, don't forget you would tell this person when this TEDx talk is uploaded. Like mm-hmm. the, I, I like promised my friend Karen Hoffman, I would let her know when this one TEDx was uploaded. And I would feel terrible if I forgot that. And so like I keep that on my radar so, radar, so I make sure that I do that because I really love these people and they mean a lot to me. And I, and I don't want the loose end. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I say to someone, let's do lunch soon, I want to, like, really, like, well, let's, like, put it on the calendar. Yeah. Let's make sure we get this done. Because if we just both go, yeah, we'll do lunch soon, then it's not going to happen. No. You have to, like, put it in your notebook. I'm going to contact so-and-so and give them some times that we can get together. Yeah, it's purposeful human moments. And I, what I've realized in being more purposeful about it for myself is that many times these are one second to 30 second activities. Yeah, it doesn't take very long. No, just and to send a And it brings you note. joy. Like it's, you may be giving to a person, but you're, you are also getting like the, oh, you know, like Absolutely. someone will say, oh, thank you. Oh my gosh, thanks for remembering or whatever. And you're just like, oh, I'm glad I remembered. You're so sweet. I love you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we, we need to fill our emotional bank accounts with each other. And I think in business, you had mentioned it's business, not personal, right? Um, it's very personal. It's super how personal. I feel at work and how I feel with my colleagues, if I belong, if I'm clear on what I'm doing, it's all very personal. And that's where consideration of that whole human that has shown up is so key. And it doesn't require money. Incentives and bonuses and all that are nice. Right. Please continue. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but they are not things. the solve to me really feeling connected because I, I did get the super secret stay bonus at a place I worked. I did get, you know, extra incentives for being employee of the year. I did get that stuff and I didn't stay. I wanted to be around somewhere that really saw me. Right. I wanted to be somewhere that really understood me. And that was more important than the money. And I think sometimes the gifts are, you know, are, are not the money. Although, I mean, Definitely people appreciate it. But it's, sometimes it's just, I know what you like, and I'm going to send this to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's always fun. It's like, yeah. oh, my gosh, how you so know me. You know yes, what I mean? Exactly. It's like so fun. How when do you, you remember that? Yeah, you, you know, know that, it's right? just taking into consideration that person as a human. Absolutely. So I love this. Did we do all the points? We just have the last one, and I'll okay. make it very, very short. But um, this one's confidence. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've seen up and down I-70, the billboards for, you know, all these young girls with the picture, and it says confidence across. Like, there's a need for confidence um, across the board. And I hear a lot of driven entrepreneurs who in their head lack the confidence. They have the drive. Right. But they always say, am I good enough? You know, is this is am I am I am I really doing good work in the world? Do people right. see that? And there's a little shakiness of confidence behind that. Um, and many times it's because we have a fear of failure. Oh, there's yeah. so many things that can build confidence. Obviously, high trust, being clear, having connection that can build my confidence. So I have a stable place to work. But confidence, many times I will say, if you just focus on that, failure is a good thing. Like there are some failures, and I get you high risk industries and moments where you have compliance, you can you have zero margin for error. Right. But the vast majority of our work is not like that. 
Yeah, right. What I say in an email, if I have one grammar mistake, is that a deal breaker? And some people treat it as if that's a deal breaker. Which is so weird. We write constantly these days. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it used to make me... Was one of those things that would irk me when you know someone would call somebody else out, like on Facebook, like, "Hey, by the way, you misspelled blah," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, message the person." Just like that's the nice way to like, "Hey, I just want to let you know, I you know, I love you, and I just saw this typo, and I would want somebody to tell me." So da 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 da. But the whole calling people out on it is so yucky. It is. It is very icky. And I mean, I had so something in my accent with my background with, you know, I have Mexican and German and Polish descent and mm-hmm. and a middle Missouri accent and everything. And for whatever reason, there were two words that were the hardest for me when I was on stage. And that was frustrated. I would say frustrated. Okay. And instead of I give this, you know, I'm doing this for you, I would say for you. Okay. So there's like right, the, right. the South City German accent kind yeah, of for yeah, you. Yeah. I'm doing this for you. We hear that a lot in St. Louis, the fur. Um, and I had people who would call me out after being on stage and it would shake my confidence. So what I've learned about is as a leader and manager, I have to say, wow, I'm so glad you gave that a shot and have learning moments, have curiosity moments, not have shaming moments. Right. Right. So I had to learn to make failure normalized. I love that Sarah Blakely made it normalized and the founder of Spanx. So first billion dollar CEO, right? Right. She's always talking about failure is her key. Yeah. She goes, I failed at everything before Spanx. She goes, I couldn't get in, you know, to become a lawyer. I failed the bar. I couldn't do, you know, but her father normalized failure for her every night um, or every Friday night. He'd ask, so what'd you fail at this week at school? Like, and, and they and, and they made it normal. So normally we would be like, why would you say that as a parent? But he made it normal. And no, they would say, I did important. this. Oh, I yeah. mean, my, I, my daughter, I remember when, you know, she was in high school and, you know, and she was like, I'm, uh, I'm really having a hard time with, you know, math or whatever and, she, and getting really frustrated. And I'd be like, listen, high school is the only time where you're trying to be good at like all kinds of subjects that you may not resonate with. So you got to do the best you can, learn what you can from it. But as you get older, you're going to refine what you really want to learn and be a part of. And you'll you'll excel at that because you'll be passionate about it. So give yourself a break. You do not have to be amazing at math. And I understand the math teachers, you know, like you'll use algebra every day. Well, but not like giving me a problem that I have to solve every day. Absolutely. You know, I'm like, you'll be fine. So just do the best you can and realize at some point you get to really just work on the things you actually want to work on. This is just, yeah. this is to teach you. You're Right now you're like, I will not be a mathematician. Yes. This is not for me. <laughs> I generally you know? know enough. Yeah. And just, now I'm moving on. I got to move from this and get into something different. You yeah, know? It's kind of a know thyself for confidence, right? You got yeah. to kind of eventually you find yourself and you're confident in your space. And when you get to that, nothing can shake you. I love, uh, and I'm going to mess up the quote. So if he's listening or <laughs> he he sees this somewhere or hears it, um, Dan Sullivan was strategic coach, um, often says something along the lines of, you know, we focus on our mistakes or the things we're not good at mm-hmm. and what we're going – because we want to get better at stuff. So I'm going to get better at the stuff I'm not good at. And he said, getting better at the stuff you're not good at is going to give you 100 things you're just not you're just slightly better at versus focusing on the thing that you're really designed to do where your, your highest contribution in the world is going to be or where you know, he calls unique ability is. I can get better at that faster and make a much larger impact in the world right. and have confidence that I do that well. I've learned that I don't load the dishwasher well. My husband is, you know, <laughs> he is a German precision, I don't know, a Swiss knife 
precision on the dishwasher, and I am not. I'm just lucky they get in and get started, and I'm right. happy for that, right? Right. But I'm not going to try and get better at loading the dishwasher because it's just not my unique ability. Yeah. And But I'm going to get better at something else, and we're going to balance each other out. So that's part of why activating human potential on teams is important because we need to know how each of us contribute. We have clarity on what our different skills are. We can connect on that, and we can lean on each other in a new way. We don't all have to be 100% good at everything. Exactly. We can each be good in our lane and come together. This is good stuff, Jeanette Wade. So we made it Thank through all you. six. That's like the it. highest thing. But that's going to give you the framework for activating that human potential because you can focus in one and be good at one. And if you're not looking at the whole thing, what's really needs being met, you won't nurture the strongest outcomes. Right. And you won't have that holistic approach to you're yeah. bringing everybody up to that next level. Exactly. Hey, well, now I have fun questions. Good, good. So you at one point sent me a gift certificate for yummy snacks. Oh, my God. I had so much fun with that. I want to know what your favorite snack is. My favorite snack? Probably nachos. Ooh. I love cheesy, salty. Okay. And so a really good, like, homemade nacho um, platter with really good, you know, queso and, and green chilies primarily. So I will make homemade Oh, um, for anything else. So, probably when do you want me nachos. to come over? <laughs> <laughs> I love cooking. So, and, oh, and I love of, people that love cooking. Yeah. Cooking is not my skill. I mean, I can do the basics. You know what I mean? But I love people that love cooking. Yeah, I'm. I'm. They can come to my house anytime and cook. <laughs> <laughs> I will be there. All right, there. we're gonna make a date. All right. Um. So this is um, Women's History Month when oh, we are having right. this okay. podcast right now. Is there a woman in history that? just resonates with you? You know, at this point in time, and it seems so like commonly said, but I was just recently, re recently reading top 100 most influential people in the world and was rereading the Mother Teresa story ah. and just selfless giving, yeah. letting go of ego. Um, I My mission this year is to be inspired by that because I don't want to make everything about me. Right. I want to make things about what I give back, which is why, like, even this book thing is a passion project of mine. I'm not making hardly any money on it. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just doing this to give the message to the world and to hopefully make humanity a better place in the workplace. So it's really her selfless giving that really impacted. Probably the second one I mentioned is Sarah Blakely. Okay. I just really love that she stands in confidence that she's not perfect. Yeah, right. And she's admitting it all the time. Like, it's just, it's like, yeah, this didn't go well. But what I learned or how I got, you know, how I got successful was through like 500 failures. Like just right. embracing that it's icky, it's mucky. Humanity is not perfect. And no. we don't always all get along. It doesn't always all go well. And to be okay in that space. So I think both of those are just kind of impactful on know thyself and be in a space of it's okay to be you. I like it. I, and I, I, I'm going to mess up this quote, but Mother Teresa has one of my favorite quotes. And it's something along the lines of, I know that, that God does not give us more than we can handle. I just wish he didn't have so much confidence in me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have oh. thought that before. It's I'm a like, common thing for women to experience, too, that we take on the world. Um, children, work, you know, um, family, uh, you know— Whatever it is, you know, cooking. Right. It, like it feels like like we we just add more to our plates and we don't always step back and say, what is it I really want? And realize that, and I, in fact, I'm talking about this um, while we're doing this podcast. This will, this will have happened as people listen to it, like once we upload it. But um, I'm at the B, I'm going to be the MC for this Be Heard Women in Leadership Conference. And that's one of the things I'm going to talk about is, you know, the, the attributes of 
you know, female being nurturing and compassionate, but sometimes we go way too far in the extreme of that and we take on the well-being of others. Like we can care for others, but we can't 100% help them out of whatever's going on. You know, like they have to they have to bring that home, kind of lead a horse to water kind of thing. Like you can't just live for this other human being hoping they'll figure things out or what have you. You you have to kind of step back and be like, I'm giving you the tools. I'm giving you the love. I'm going to hug you. I got compassion for all this. But you have to figure this out. Absolutely. You have, to, you have to do this on your own. I absolutely cannot do it for you. I end the book in the last chapter with the airplane rule, which is put the oxygen mask on yourself first, that if great leaders, managers, facilitators, coaches want to activate human potential, they need to activate it within themselves first, be clear, you know, yeah. be connected, contribute, you know, really give, challenge yourself, hold yourself in consideration and build your confidence, right? So you need to do all six C's for yourself. Because when we don't, we end up, you know, not being able to support others. Um, I was just meeting with um, a colleague here locally just before this podcast, and he and I were talking about the shifts we've made in our lives since the last time we met, almost mm-hmm. five years ago. Right. And and what we found was the more space we created for ourselves and the more we were able to say yes to the things that really meant something to us and no to the things that didn't, exponentially how much more impact we've had. Yeah. And just that awareness of I can actually block a free day. I can get a massage and I can do the self-care or whatever it is. I can have my vacation. Yeah. I can I can set people up for the win and step out and let them get the challenge to learn it on their own without me doing it for them. And actually everything's better for everyone. Yeah. And it I was agree. just kind of an epiphany, like the exponential impact you could have. I love it. Okay. One of the things I ask everyone is to think about kindness, something you've received, given, witnessed, just kind of something that has happened that is just top of mind for you when it comes to kindness. So the thing that popped in my head um, happened probably almost 12 years ago. So my father had always said, um, I've always wanted to get 10 $100 bills and hand them out randomly to people who just seem to need it. And he never got the chance to do it. And so when he passed, I I took out of his bank account 10 $100 bills and basically gave them to just random people. And it happened to be right around the holidays. So it was perfect timing. Oh, my god! And so no one asking for handouts, just the random ones where I had this, like, heart sense that they needed it. Right. And just made an impact without asking for anything, no recognition, nothing. And I was reflecting on that. I was asked— Uh, you know, last fall for answering some questions similar. And I was like, you know, that was a moment where I felt a tremendous amount of kindness flow through, like through ancestry, right? People who wanted to give that didn't get a chance and be able to give to people where they really needed it and really, and not having any string of tax, no, no name on a brick, no, no donation tax credit to it, just giving it freely and just watching their eyes light up with, you thought of me, or you saw me in this moment. Oh and, my gosh, and how fun. those were fun. And I, you did that for your dad too. You like didn't let that wire stay loose. You connected it for yes. him. How cool. Yeah. So that was a fun moment in kindness. And what I learned in that was, and I think it, it ended up in the book as well, just as far as you've got to see people. Yeah. And you've got to, we all share a similar heart energy and we're connected at some level. And you got to look past what gift. they're wearing, what they're, what they're saying, right. what their status is in the world. You know, I've, I've, I've had clients and friends who are billionaires all the way down to, you know, nearly homeless. Mm-hmm. And 
I see them the same. Like I, that, that's to me, that to agree. me is kindness. Yeah, because we're all just humans in a human experience. It's it's just and it's looking someone in the eye, and I and it's amazing to me because I love people, and so I always start with love. And I can be walking down the street, and I'll see people, and I'll be like, "Hello, hi," you know, "Hope your day's going well," that kind of stuff, and. How I would say the bulk of those people, some people are like, I, I don't know you, lady, I'm not talking mm-hmm. to you. But the bulk of those people, it's like their eyes just kind of light up like, oh, somebody sees me. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not just going to pass by each other and pretend like we're not on earth together. Like yes. we, I've been seen. And, and it's just that tiny little thing that can make a person's day. I would love to give everybody a hundred dollars. I, I can't do that, but I can at least do this. I can, I can hold the door for you. I can see you. I can honor your presence here. Absolutely. So in that way. You're awesome. Thank you. I'm so excited that you came on today. Thank you. Yes, me too. Thank you for having me. I just love this. This is awesome. And Trisha Begsby, we love her too. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> Hi Trisha, you mentioned her. I'm like, oh, I'll see her Friday. She's yes. awesome. So where can everyone learn more about you? So business-alchemist.com. You can access through my services page, a link to my EOS website, a a link to about the book and some free ebook content that's companion to my book. So a lot of free content, free assessments on team health. I freely giving it out to the world at this point. So if you sign up for it to download it, I promise you're not getting spammed. I, I'm just, <laughs> it's just, we're trying to just collect like activity and, and keep track of it. But there's a lot of free content out there for the human team, EOS, and my speaking engagements. Love so. it. Thank you, Jeanette. Thank you. And everyone out there, you've been listening to Mishmash. Go be kind. Go be loving. (laughs) See you all next time.